You're listening to the Tumbling Saber Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Check us out on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com, on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter, and take your first step into a larger world. everybody, welcome to episode 99 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Corey. 99, Corey. Nine niner. Yeah, I definitely hope it's the great one. Did you already title the episode, or was that just kind of a given? I just thought of it right now, to be honest. I don't even have it in my notes or anything. <laughs> well, uh, 99 and the great one, I think, is ingrained in every, every right-minded Canadian's consciousness. Any true sports fan, too. I mean, come on. Uh, when you yeah, have your I, legends, I, I you know, know, your Jordans, your Gretzkys, everybody's got to kind of... I would uh, I would like to agree with that, but I don't, I don't know. I just don't know. Anyway, so what's going on? Well, I just want to start quickly before we get into something else, but, uh, oh, man, I watched, uh, I watched Ghostbusters with my son on Saturday, which was awesome. He's five years old. He was so into it, and then today, I mean, super rainy out here today, uh, nothing really much to do, went shopping for a bit, came back, and watched E.T. for the first time with him. Oh, man, I haven't seen E.T. in quite some time either, and a bit of a tear vest. Oh, geez, you know what? It's been so long since I've seen E.T. that I can't guarantee that I've seen it in its entirety. Like, I'm talking 30-plus years. Well, that's that's the way it felt to me, to be honest. Like, there was my son was asking me questions, and I knew everything worked out in the end, and I, I had a general idea of what was going on. But there were parts where I'm like, oh, man. Like, it was like watching a new movie. And Oh, yeah. Like, if I watch it now, it would, yeah, it would be like – the only, the only part I know in my mind is when he sees the kid walking around in the Yoda outfit. Yeah. And he can, like, totally use the Force. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that whole thing, you know, in 99 when E.T. showed up in, in The Phantom Menace and we thought worlds were colliding. Oh so my God, E.T. can it. use the force. E.T.'s a Jedi. And recognizing Yoda. Well, yeah. And th- that it, that appearance in, in The Phantom Menace sort of recontextualized E.T. and thinking that, oh my God, E.T. knows Yoda. E.T.'s a Jedi. Oh my God. It was, it was hilarious. He's more a time traveler than a space traveler, if you look at it from that perspective. But I tell you, Kyle, if you watch that with the kids and they sit down and watch it with you, you don't have a heart if you don't cry. Uh, I know, I know, Harley would cry. She she's quite easily moved to tears in movies. Anyway, forty four days left until the Last Jedi, uh, when this podcast drops. The the numbers are like peeling away quick now. Forty four days. Think of it. Think of it. When we come back next week for episode. Uh, 100, there'll be just over a month left. That That's is insane. craziness, man. Craziness. Uh, anyway, so you and I went to this, and Carlos, but all separately. Well, no, we, you and I met up briefly. Um, and Carlos went to this, uh, I hesitate to even call it a mini-con. It was sort of like a, a, a marketplace over in uh, our neighboring province this weekend. How much fun did you have there? 
uh, it's okay. <laughs> it was nice. I mean, I had fun, to be honest. I mean, I went with my son. He got dressed up as Spider-Man. He walked around. There was probably like six, seven Spider-Mans there. <laughs> a lot of people actually got dressed up. Well, that was um, the point of it. It was, it was for Halloween. It was It was a place to bring children, get them some free comics, let them dress up, and have some exposure to to geek them and for for two dollars right it was two dollars entry for adults nothing for kids under 12 that's that's pretty ridiculous like my time was quite preoccupied to be honest there really really wasn't that much there uh just to reassure carlos like carlos by no means by any means do not consider that a convention at all because it was not a convention really it seemed more like a bazaar (laughs) or something like that you know uh there was like no one there. There was two comic retail, well, one comic retailer, one toy guy who had comics. The toy guy, the vintage toy man or something like that. Man, like this was just a blast from the past. He had like everything in the, these giant Tupperware things. Rubbermaids. Rubbermaids, sorry, yeah. But just everything from the past. And, like in horrible condition, asking way too much. But it was fun just to rum- rummage through things and look at it. And I p- definitely picked up a few things. Cool. What'd you, what'd you grab? Well, toy-wise, nothing, but uh, I picked up a few vintage Star Wars comics. Uh, some, what else? I went to the comic book shop after on the, you know, just by chance, you know, it started, I, I, I'm never there to go, like, actually look on the pegs and see what he's he's got on the shelves, right? And when I do, like, I spend my time in there and just so happens, I, I was like, oh, you know, everyone's talking about Afra, Afra, Afra. Anyway, uh, Tim's advice, like, even from just a collecting standpoint, too, like, I, I started looking through the Afro rack or whatever he had, and it went all the way back to issue one. So I, I was just like, okay, whatever, I got 20 bucks on me, I picked up the first four issues, and he's still got a whole bunch left, so, I mean, at least there's that, you know, if they ever make, like, an Afro movie or something, like... But none of, none of Afro number one. Yeah. Dr. Afro. Huh. <laughs> he had multiple number ones? No, he just had the one issue number one, which was, like, oh, awesome. Okay. So I got one through four. And well, then... I mean, that kind of tells you from a collecting standpoint. Either you got extraordinarily lucky or, f- f- from a collecting standpoint, it's not that huge a deal. But still cool to have. No no question about that. Oh, yeah. It's like a, you're you're kind of banking on it in a way. Like, if something happens with the character, you know what I mean? Like, like uh, look at recent, like, if movies come about and these characters come into it, like, their they're comic book appearances kind of skyrocket right uh yeah but where was dr afra's first appearance it wasn't in number one so it's usually the first appearance of a character that goes nuts as opposed to the first the first issue of that character's title i think it was i think she was in vader no yeah she must have showed up in the vader run beforehand so whatever issue that was i think it was fairly early on but that would be the comic that would blow up in value anyway uh, yeah, so that con, um, Earthy Aromas in there. Oh, <laughs> considering it was a, a hockey rink. Oh, man, it smelled, you know, anybody who spent any time in a uh, a hockey locker room knows the smell. It is horrifying. And the whole place was kind of permeated with that smell. So, hmm, kind of glad to get out of there. I, I, I was there for like maybe 20 minutes. Like my kids were just animals in there. They were just. Ugh, ugly to deal with that day. I, yeah, I was it was pretty actually, rough. I felt pretty bad for you. Oh, Jesus. I was finally, I found like a little comfort zone. I was flipping through a little uh, bin of old Star Wars back issues, the one that I guess you found. And I was flipping through it. And oh, man, he's, he, this guy's got a bunch, a little overpriced, but 
I might pick up a couple of these. And then I saw my wife carrying my our son like horizontally. His face is red and he's screaming his guts out. I'm like, oh man. And I know my daughter's being sullen, spoiled little brat too. And I was like, okay, I think it's over. So after about 20 minutes of being there, back out the door. So, uh, you know, $4 down the tubes, but what are you going to do? Anyway, yeah, whatever. Uh, whatever. So, they got I'll, I'll, up. <laughs> yeah, they had, well, for, for a few minutes, they had some fun. Uh, but I want to give some shout outs. We got a bunch of new Facebook likes this week. I don't know what uh, what was in the tap water this week, but uh, hello to Anthony Locrichio. Ward Lafferty, Mike Sweetman from uh, Force Within TV, uh, Rene Chavez, Aislinn Caro, Andrew Thompson, Mandy Schuer, and John Paul Fiedler. Hello, everybody. If this is your first podcast. Hello there. Hello there. Um, also, again, I want to mention uh, anybody who's considering becoming a powerful friend, we've got our contest running. This is the last, last, uh, few, last week, really, to get into that prize draw for a prize pack for any new patreon supporter so if you're not yet a powerful friend you got you got a few days left to get in there so head to patreon.com slash tumbling saber and get in the exclusive draw which will be held just among new patrons so you want to get on in on that asap because once uh, once we sit down to record episode 100 if, if there's nobody there's nobody we put the toys back in the hopper for the powerful friends uh, but if there's one patreon new one new patreon supporter not gonna be much of a draw. They're gonna win the prize pack. It's all yours, baby. <laughs> uh, I love those odds, man. Never tell me the odds. No, but this, these are the odds. You, these are the ones you actually might. No. You know what? Considering right now there, there's zero candidates. Um, if there's one person, well, it's a pretty good odds. Even if there's two people, you you got fifty fifty shot at a prize pack. So not bad odds, no matter how you slice it. All right, just a quick rest in peace to John Molo, the Oscar-winning costume designer on uh, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. What a career this dude had, man. This guy worked on Star Wars, Empire, Alien. Uh, just just incredible career. I mean, this is the guy that brought so many amazing costumes and images to life. Yeah, especially when you think of like being able to bring Macquarie's art to life and you know creating vader's helmet and stuff like like i wonder what's going through the guy's head at the time like because he wasn't much of a sci-fi buff from all, from the reports so is he going well what is this weird space crap like why who is gonna pay to see this oh well i i, I had heard that uh in the article that i had read it was they were talking about how he was making vader's mass based on like nazi like trench war kind of stuff yeah. That's that was super interesting. Yeah, yeah, he was well, yeah, he was like a, a adept at World War 1 and 2 history. So yeah. All that stuff kind of came pouring out of him into into the uh especially the imperial regalia. So, rest in peace John Molo. Great great career, Oscar winning career. Uh, hopefully hopefully a, a life well lived. So, rest in peace, sir. And uh what about a collecting update, Corey? Anything uh, new beyond the comics that we just talked about? Yeah, a few vintage comics there. Um, I told everybody I had made a purchase last week. That uh, like a couple. This is actually kind of shitty though, but whatever. Um, anyhow, I I had made a purchase. I got the the four characters. 
six inch series are pretty awesome. I got Qui Gon, uh, uh, Mustafar, Obi Wan. Uh, who else? Someone for our powerful friends and Phasma. Yeah, I need to get a Phasma. Anyhow, the Phasma six inch. Yeah, I didn't have one, and they're not on the, really on the pegs anymore. Uh, they were so uh, they were there all the time, so I kind of procrastinated, and then they weren't. If only so... you had a brother that had one. Oh, whatever. I don't want yours. I want your X wing, Luke. <laughs> all i want all i had to do is just crack the door and you'd walk right through but uh yeah i got those but i had made a deal with the guy he's like do you do you see anything else that you like and i was like yeah but uh right now like I, i'm gonna wait a bit you know and he was like okay well just just tell me what you want and i'll save it and i told him i wanted palpatine and uh i said i'd go for bespin luke i think and he was like okay they're yours uh like don't worry about it i got your back i'm saving them and i was like great sounds good and then probably like, I don't know, that night he was just like rowing back like, yeah, sorry, bro. Got to get rid of them. <laughs> like package deal. I was like, eh, it's the way it is, I guess. You're, you're only as good as your word. <clears throat> <laughs> It'll turn up somewhere else. Yeah, whatever. I don't, uh, it doesn't really bother me that much. I just found it was kind of funny, actually. I deal with that kind of stuff all the time anyway. Uh, so I, I sent you some images before uh, from, from Crappy Tire, a.k.a. Canadian Tire. Um, some pretty cool toys going on there. Yeah, so they, Canadian they have, Pit Path. Yeah, look at that, man. Um, the Baze Malibus, a Stormtrooper 2-pack, Snoke Funko Pop, a 3-pack that I'd not seen before with the Emperor, uh, Luke, and a uh, Royal Guard. And then an 8-pack of figures. Them. Yeah, I've seen them both posted this week on that uh, that forum, that Black Series forum. That's some crazy stuff there, man. Like an 8-pack of figures. I've, I've never seen that before in any format. So. Yoda, uh, Endor, Luke, Kylo Ren, Rey. Mace Windu. Yeah, it's sort of an odd mix of characters, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's very almost odd. like uh, like a starter pack of figures. Yeah, I agree with you. If you've never collected Star Wars figures before, here you go. You're well That's underway. Why I like There's eight figures. I guess yeah, it could be a good Christmas present or something. But yeah, I have no interest in anything like that. The Luke, uh, Luke the Guard and Palpatine kind of looks pretty cool, but even at that, you know. Yeah, pass. I'm going to pass on all these. But yeah. if anybody is collecting and uh, your ears perked up at one of those things, let me know. Uh, that, that store is two minutes from my house, and they have plentiful of everything. So I will happily run over, grab it for you if you need it. Uh, is it did you? Oh, geez. These things are going to kill me. So there's a new line of Star Wars toys coming, and they look exactly like the Disney Infinity figures. Except they have articulation. These are going to absolutely kill me. Like, I can totally smell a new obsession coming here. Really? Oh, they look so good, man. Well, of course. I mean, the Disney Infinity figures, we know how great they looked. And I was I was hooked on them. You know, once they started swinging from the pegs at, you know, five bucks, two bucks a pop, I was just, I bought a bunch of them. Oh, hell yeah. But that's, if they're actually the going to make an articulated it? series, I'm done. It's over for me. I'm I'm going to be obsessed with that line. Interesting. No, um, I guess I'm going to have to wait for the price point, really. I mean, I'm not... The reason why... I got a whole box of them right... I'm looking at them right now. I was actually going to bring them to work and... You know, I was just about to crack them all open. Like, I'm not sure if I should crack them open, but... None of them are open yet. Um, oh, go ex- ahead and open those. I think I should. I mean, they're so nice to look at. 
Yeah, yeah, don't. I mean, come on. They were being liquidated for two bucks a pop at one point. If you think you're sitting on a future gold mine, forget it, man. Just just rip those open. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, I, I at two bucks. I didn't care. I got the Anakin uh, Ahsoka two pack for five bucks. I waited that out for like six months or like even more, way more actually than that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, was I, yeah I waited like a year for that for sure. I got it for like ten bucks. And I was happy oh. with that price. Oh yeah, man, that's. But I threw I threw the whole thing out. Like I took out the Anakin and and the the Ahsoka, and I just scrapped all the rest. Yeah, me too. I don't just I, crack that's them the open. One I took out of the back. But uh, yeah, I don't know. At at that price, I'm totally okay with it. But I'd rather much rather save my money for the Black Series and stuff like that than get in because you're just opening a whole, like where does that stop? You know, like you got to start all over again. You know. Oh, I'm not. I'm like, I'm not joking. I would probably happily try and sell off my Black Series collection and replace it with these Infinities. I would. I'm not even joking. I'd probably keep a handful of of my Black Series figures, ones that I really, really love, and then I'd be happy to trade or or sell the rest, or give uh, your X-wing Luke to your brother for Christmas or his well, birthday. Let's let's not get get ahead of ourselves. I mean, some things are are. are very much worth keeping and hanging on to for posterity or, or sentimental reasons or just, you know, just as a signal as something, you know, sometimes you do win things, Kyle. Good things do happen to you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move ahead because uh, I, I want to kind of blast through this new section as quickly as we can. We have a high wind warning in effect. So if we lose power at any point, um, we're that, screwed. That, we're screwed. Essentially. If 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 Corey get ends up getting booted from the show, I'm gonna plow ahead. And if uh, if I get booted from the show, Corey's gonna finish it, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that uh, goes. That's hilarious. Okay, so uh, we're getting some early box office predictions for the Last Jedi, which I think is pretty awesome. I I'm fascinated with how people do this, man. I don't know what uh, practices are used. I th- I think it's mostly just like polling people outside of movie theaters once they come out and say, hey, do you plan on seeing Star Wars opening weekend and blah, blah, blah. And they just kind of have models that, that map out what I think is and ends up being really realistic and accurate numbers. Like I, it, I'm amazed by how spot on these people tend to be. But right now the prediction for the, for the last Jedi is $215 million at a domestic. So North America, Canada, and I don't know, is Mexico part of that? I don't know. Uh, but $250 million for the opening weekend, which is nuts considering I think uh, The Force Awakens had like what, 246 on its opening weekend. So really close numbers. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to believe, to be honest. I, I'm on the same page as you. I don't really know how they they come to these conclusions. I mean, I think a lot of it would have to do with social media and stuff as well. They're watching us, man. They are oh they're definitely watching. They're they're measuring something. I don't know if they're uh, able to you know maybe they can take numbers uh YouTube views for the trailer and compare it across a number of different movies, you know, The Force Awakens being one and Rogue One being another and other um comic book movies and tying a, a, the weekend box office to number of YouTube views for the trailer when it drops over a 24-hour period and then extrapolating that and saying well 215 million dollars looks like might be the the landing spot which is crazy man 
It does. And it does the, seem like a lot. It almost. I don't know. I want to. I don't want to say it's. I want to believe. You know. I want to believe that it's going to do that well for sure. In the least. Well, that would make it like I think the second largest opening weekend ever behind the Force Awakens. Yeah, that, that, like I said, it does seem a bit inflated, but I, I don't know. I don't know where they're getting their numbers from. And uh, December is always a bit of an odd time for film, too. You know, for in my opinion, but it it's, it seemed to work in this case. Not anymore, case. man. Nope, not anymore. But it not, not since Star Wars has come in and took taken over the Christmas season. But it's not for everybody. I'll tell you that. Like, look at look at us last year. Like we. We really, we went rogue one, you know? Oh, we like went crazy. That, oh, well, it was like minus 30 something. Like, yeah, yeah. Was... Let's, let's, not, let's pretend that's not going to happen this year. Anyway, so they're also calling for a $742 million uh, domestic total. And you know, to compare, The Force Awakens had 936. Uh, so per observer.com, uh, they say, assume box office pros numbers are accurate and that The Last Jedi's domestic slash international splits are similar to The Force Awakens, uh, so that would be 45.3% domestic and 54.7% international. So now we're talking about an overseas gross of over under $890 million and a worldwide total of $1.63 billion. That is nuts, dude. Totally nuts. did, did, Did you ever have any early, early crazy... Uh, box office predictions for The Last Jedi? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess like hearing it like this kind of f- falls into what I'm thinking. I mean, the opening weekend seemed a bit high to me for some reason. But uh, other than that, like, yeah, like I'm I'm under no impression that it's going to do better than The Force Awakens. Like The Force Awakens was like, you know, it had all the buzz surrounding it because it was Star Wars again, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, my God. But I mean, this this movie has quite a bit going on for it as well. But I've always seen it for some reason just doing a a little, not as well. And I mean, this looking at it like this, that's that's about I guess where I was kind of looking at it from too. Yeah, like I, I I you know, I don't know how long ago I said this, but I'm like oh, I'm gonna peg the Last Jedi at somewhere like one point four one point five billion total. Like that was my prediction at the time, and it seems like I'm I'm pretty well way off. Like if if it's really good, if it holds really well in this first few weeks, like one point seven, one point eight is not out of the question. And that would be a staggering number. And as a Star Wars fan, I think everyone deep down wants to to help uh, exploit the numbers in some sense. Well, go see it a few times. And why do he, we care so much? That's uh, yeah, it's it's, it's weird, it's bit, isn't it? It's a bit of an ego thing, maybe uh, bragging rights, maybe like. You you want to say that, you know, like, oh, my we're the God. king. Like, not only that, but it's like you, you want to wake up in the morning and, like, hear the news, like, Star Wars has $300 million opening weekend, like, unheard of. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you just want to say, see, <laughs> people still do like it. I don't know, but we seem, like, extraordinarily preoccupied with box office numbers. It's almost like there's a sense of insecurity with it. Anyway, it's it's got it's got a chance here to not not quite match the Force Awakens. That would be almost impossible, but uh, to do a, a lot better than most had, had had thought, and like myself included, I really didn't think it would be that close to the Force Awakens. But one point eight doesn't seem like that crazy a number if if it holds well and word of mouth is good once it drops. 
crazy. That's very possible. And yeah, like, like that's it. Like it's the word of mouth thing too. Like we, we hear we're in for a real special treat this holiday season. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, I saw TFA, I think five times in theaters and I, I struggled to see it five times. Like there's just always so much going on. Like I want to see the last Jedi more than that. I want to at least do six. I don't, I don't know if I have no idea where other people fall on that, but I hope to do a little bit better than last time. Like, geez, can you imagine this thing matching the force awakens? That would be just unprecedented for a second part. Well, it's, it's, it all depends. Like you said, like we know what they have early projections, but once people see the film and if people freak out for it, you know, they don't know the spoiler. If there is a spoiler, like Homer, you know. <laughs> oh, no Homer moments, please. All right. So zipping ahead. Um, StarWars.com has a new The Last Jedi site and on which they've posted the, I guess, official synopsis, which is word for word, verbatim, the same exact synopsis we got back in July. I think uh, Making Star Wars had posted it. It reads as such, in Lucasfilm's Star Wars The Last Jedi, the Skywalker saga continues as the heroes of The Force Awakens join the galactic legends in an epic adventure that unlocks age-old mysteries of the Force and shocking revelations of the past. Star Wars The Last Jedi opens in U.S. theaters on December 15th, 2017. We kicked it around then. Um, has anything changed for you with that, with the reveal of that synopsis on that official page? Uh, well, again, it just really says so much in such a short time frame. I love it. Having now seen behind-the-scenes trailers and the actual second trailer, uh, that idea has just really been forced. I think it's so cool when we hear the words age-old mysteries of the Force and shocking revelations of the past. Um, I'm ready for that. I'm just ready for my foundations to be shook. The mysticism behind that, uh, everything is just so much bigger, and everything that we've seen up from then till now uh, has just reaffirmed that in a sense. From cast to crew to uh, just talking about the the story and everything, like everyone's kind of on the same page that this film is different, and I don't know. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, I mean that's that's the tantalizing bit, right? Age old mysteries of the Force. We think we know everything. And we've been with this this franchise for 30 years. We think we know it all. But apparently we don't. <laughs> and that's that's what's eating at us and eating well, at millions forever, of other fans. Right? What's First that? Jedi Temple. We've said it for a long time. First Jedi Temple, Acto. Yeah, we're going to get to see that. We're going to, you know, these shocking revelations of the past. Just how shocking is it? But still, I'm, I'm still preaching caution here because like you said, I'm ready for this. And I'm, this is not pointed at you. This is pointed at you know fandom in general. Like a lot of people are saying, "I'm ready for this." Oh my god! Maybe you're not. <laughs> Maybe you're I'm not, not afraid. Like what they drop. You know, there's. We kind of we tend to think that what they do is going to shock us in a great way, and we're going to be super excited about it. Maybe it's going to shock us in a very controversial and negative way, and it's going to take some getting used to. Yeah, you'll be afraid. You will be. Ooh. You will be frank oz ladies and gentlemen um all right so we got a new behind the scenes video last week which was pretty cool man a nice little midweek surprise 
I wasn't expecting that. It just sort of popped up on was it USA Today. Yep. Yeah, we got to, we got to, it was I guess centering on Ryan Johnson and his experience and what what this whole thing is meant for him. Uh, but we got a bunch of cool stuff in it anyway. So uh, let's let's go through that. And again, they they kick things off with more of this messaging around the unexpected in air quotes, like everything is going to be upside down and it's, everything's happening in opposite directions from what we're expecting. Like they really Taking characters in new directions. Yeah. And like really breaking the mold. Like they really, really want us to understand that. And it kind of ties into what I was just saying about, you know, be prepared. Maybe you're not going to like what you get. Like they're, they're on every like officially stamped, you know, teaser or, um, news bit that we've gotten from them they kind of lead with that this is so different this is crazy and we've heard mark hamill say i had to take ryan aside and go what are you doing and uh, i think uh donald gleason said the same thing yeah luke was all like or mark hamill was all like come on man i don't want to go to the dark side <laughs> i think they what? almost might be prepping us for that at this point it's like like when you say it like that like that does scare me a bit well, like everybody was just kind of like, it sounds like everybody who picked up the script was just like, what? Ryan, are you sure that like, is this not a, this whole, is this whole page not a typo? Like it's, it's, it, they're really, really prepping us for something that's going to be a, a, a massive uppercut that we're not expecting. Yeah, it's going to be something, man. Like, even if we've talked about this a few times before in the in the past as well, but it's experience with time travel maybe and like uh, oh no flashbacks it's more flashbacks kind of that that would come into play at that point you know what i mean i don't mind forcebacks i mean those are okay but uh, i don't if somebody shows up and says i'm from the future i'm gonna be livid no it'd be more i think people from the past kind of having a an effect on today i i would tend to agree but anyway all, all that to say is that they just keep hit, hammering home that message of unexpected, different, and opposite of what we're expecting. So anyway, anyway, they, it, it, when the, it, people get inevitably outraged on December fifteenth about what happened, they can't say that they weren't warned. No, nope. and, and believe me, some people are going to be absolutely outraged about what happens. All right, so let's talk about a few of these shots. Well, I, want to, I just want to say like one more thing about that behind the scenes yeah, thing. Ahead. It's just Ryan's eagerness and humbleness, the way he had described filming the movie and just being a child and having walked, like seeing the, the Falcon and be like, you're mine now, you know, like walking through that corridor for the first time and kind of freaking out over it. Like, Oh, I'd be uh, a puddle. I'd be an absolute mess. Like I'd, I'd, just, I'd, I'd completely lose my composure. I, I imagine these guys all kind of do it at, at some point. Maybe it's at the, the moment where they get cat or get hired on as director or writer or what have you. They just like have a meltdown in private and go, I can't, oh my God, what have I done? What am I in for? Where, well, where's my life touches, about to go? He even touches upon that in, in some kind a certain light in this, like saying like, it's 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 almost like a super, super daunting thing. And especially the idea he's bringing to it, like, First of all, you got to come into it with some kind of degree of confidence. But even at that, like he was so like, it's crazy, you know, like it was concentrated works followed by holy craps. Like he, he, it, 
like his vision was coming to life bit by bit and it looked amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that bit at the end. Concentrated work followed by, you know, in- interrupted by a bunch of holy craps. Anyway, so uh, some shots that stood out to us. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you take a stab at it. We won't spend too long on this, but uh, w- what stood out to you? Uh, there's a few things here. I got um, DJ with the Finn and Rose dressed in uh, Imperial regalia. Obviously, they're trying to trying to get away with something there. I don't think it's going to work. Like, is that our, our first time seeing DJ with... Um... We knew Finn and Rose were in those first order Imperial outfits. Did we had we seen DJ as part of that too, or is no, this the first time? For me personally, it was the first time that it actually it looked like him. Yeah, I mean, I guess we have to say we're we're not one hundred percent sure, but it sure looks like DJ, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I paused it and it looks like Benicio to me. It looked like it to me too. I mean, we could be wrong, but I'm I'm I would put money on the, on that third guy being. Mr. Del Toro. Yeah, we'll see what happens with him. Either he sells them out or uh, he's actually helping them. Who knows? Yeah, so it, I mean, is there? A th- do we have a theory going that uh, DJ is the one that maybe smuggles, not smuggles, but somehow is able to get them on board, DJ and uh, Finn and Rose, get them on board of the supremacy? Of course. That's that's why he's there. Like They pay him enough money or whatever. They, they track him down. They use all the resources to get him on Canto Bite. Uh, they offer him the right things, and he's like, they they offer him something anyhow that he's just like, hmm, that's tempting. I'll do your little job for you. You know, I can do this. Now, is is the first order playing him as well, saying, yeah, DJ, bring those guys here? Who knows? He 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 can. We know he's gonna play either side. Like, even when he gets in there, it's it's every man for himself. You know, he'll help them to a certain point, but you know, if the first order is like, hey, like. They're done for, you know, like help us. There's there's no point in helping them. I'm sure you'd do that. And then he could possibly even come back. He could have that Han moment toward the end of the film and say like, oh man, like the, these two were real, the real deal, you know, like it's time to make a change in my own life. I'm going to help these kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we really don't know, right? I mean, Del Toro himself has described his character as a bit of a villain. So I tend to think he's probably going to be the guy that, that turns. Yeah, the Lando character. Yeah, but Lando oh. was forced to do it. Yeah, well, maybe Del Toro, you know, he he sells them out, but in the long run, again, like he comes around and turns around and saves them, you know, at the end, helps them get away. I think they're going to save themselves, to be honest. Like my, my theory in my head at this point is that Del Toro kind of rolls on them and is like, haha, later, suckers. And that that's where we have this execution scene for Finn I don't know if Rose is there. I think she probably is, but maybe she. My my theory is that you know we said that hangar scene when Finn and Phasma are fighting and there's just fire and explosions and chaos all over the place. Yeah, I think Rose is possibly responsible for all that, <laughs> all those fireworks. I think maybe she sets off some explosions, which causes enough of a diversion for Finn to get away and for the whole escape sequence to 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 begin. Well, you would think that it's Finn and Rose stuck together for the execution. Like, they're going down together while what's it, DJ's gone scot-free. And I, I kind of see it's either Ray coming back to save them, like, in the middle of their execution, or 
DJ kind of has a change of heart at the last minute. And it's like, ah, like, let's get out of here, kiddos. Like, yeah, well, I mean, I think there's three candidates there. It's, it's Rose, Ray, and DJ as, as somebody who might spring them loose. Interesting stuff though. Um, so there was a shot of Ray and Poe together on the Falcon. Oh, which yeah. I, which is pretty cool. I mean, that's got to be near the end of the film. I can't imagine, I mean, assuming that they were together for, you know, shooting in the movie because Ray and Poe, I mean, they've not really met. Yep, they were all smiles. They were all smiles. I mean, they were goofing around on set, but uh, if they were in scenes together, I'm, I'm imagining that Ray and Poe, on the Falcon, I mean, there's there's two people that could we you know, we've been asking who's piloting the Falcon during that sequence um, in the caves on on crate. We don't know. That's, it could that's be true. I mean, it, it's Ray's ship, so I, I think odds are it's Ray, but it could be Poe. That'd be pretty rad as well. Maybe Poe is the eventual guy that takes over as ca- captain of the Falcon. Yeah, he looks. He's pretty Han Solo esque. He needs a. He could do more damage in that ship than he could in X wing, most likely. Well, and also he can fly anything, right? Hell yeah. <laughs> um, all right, what what else you got? Uh, there was one interesting thing where it looked like I saw it's all out of focus. It's like you see Ryan Johnson like making the focus with his hands and it looks like Finn's waking up from his coma, whatever yeah, you, you want to call it. Yeah, you see him all super Yeah, 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 you see him sitting on what yeah, he's out, completely out of focus, blurry like crazy. Yeah, and you see him possibly sitting up. Or, he, I mean, he just could be waiting for the scene to get rolling, right? Yeah, it could be anything at this point. But yeah, I did notice that. It looks like like Baymax in the background there. Uh, there's a shot. Now this, I don't know if this is tinfoil hat theory-ish, or maybe we're, I'm getting too close. Uh, but there's a shot of Finn, Ray, and Cato um, Connix, which I think is the name of Billy Lord's character. And I presume this is also on crate, uh, but there's a bruise on Ray's head. And we've seen this bruise in other in other shots. But if you put enough pieces together, you can start to figure out what may and may not happen. So um, we've seen the shot of Ray being sort of tortured by Snoke. There's no bruise. And then later on in the crate scene, there is a bruise or what looks very much like a bruise on her head. So, it yeah, so looks, she's gotten away at that point. It looks very much like Ray is not going anywhere with Snoke or with Kylo at the end of the film. She's going to be with the resistance. And we, we've seen Ray uh, in other images on crate before anyway. So it's not that much of a leap, but I think this, this for me anyway, seals it that Ray is going to get off uh, the supremacy away from Snoke with Finn and get down to uh, terra firma on crate. So you think Finn, uh, okay, Finn, what if it's the trifecta leaving Luke, Kylo, and Snoke taking off together? That's the big, uh, the big gut wrenching moment of this film. Why would Luke be in hiding? What do you mean? Like if he was right just now? if he was just going to go off with Kylo and Snoke anyway, why would he be hiding? It depends what he finds out in this film and what's going on. Like nothing, you never know. Like he again, he doesn't look too happy. And also, given how Snoke said that they need to destroy Skywalker, you like know what? Opening crawl too? says they're not going to rest until <laughs> until Skywalker's what if, dead. 
what if Luke feels like that's the big punch so that in in episode nine, we can come back to it. Like Luke goes, then episode nine is like, you, you kind of find out that he's actually kind of playing, playing Snoke and Kylo. Like you, he's able to dabble in the dark side a bit just to, to get in there, you know? Like he's able to kind of sacrifice himself in that regard and not let himself fully get absorbed into it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like, I don't know if I'm down with that. That sounds like dancing around the gray Jedi issue. And if that ends up being the case, then, you know, Yoda's warnings about, you know, forever dominating your destiny, well, suddenly that doesn't mean anything. I, 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 would, I don't want to see Yoda's final words just sort of scuttled like that. Well, he did it in the EU. <laughs> <laughs> Need I say more? Some of those stories were just awful, man. I mean, some were good, but Dark Side Luke, I don't think, was one of them. Was it the the Luke clone, Luke? <laughs> Remember that? Oh God, <laughs> that was bad. Come on. Well, yeah, no kidding. That's <laughs> if they're gonna pull something out of EU, Dark Side Luke is not one of the things they should pull. It's double agent Luke. No, I you know I'm I'm still firmly on the on the side that Luke throws away his lightsaber in Jedi, and he at that point he isn't a hero, and he always will be. He'll have some low moments, but he's never gonna he'll never turn to the dark side. When he said that, like that's that. I'm never turning to the dark side. But I could be wrong. That could be the thing that you know, shocking revelation shocker, or exactly. Ugh. Well, the shocking revelation is the, it's their age-old mysteries. So those those are things that are going to get dug up from the past, which is going to make Luke question everything he knows, which, can you know, we all know that's a big thing in Star Wars once you find out about your past. Uh, finally, there, for me, there was there was a interesting shot of Rey in Snoke's throne room. She was standing there. Daisy was standing with Ryan. Now, I'm I'm just throwing this at the wall, but I think maybe she's in that room and she's going to sabotage something. And then this is where, you know, the Praetorian guards kind of step in and she bashes them up and then sm uh, Snoke emerges. Or maybe it's, it's it's a bit opposite. Maybe she bashes up a couple uh, Praetorian guards, gets into this control room or throne room, and is about to sabotage. You know, there's that toy, the BB-8 playset that has a hyperspace something. I forget what that, that piece of the, in that toy set is called, but it's it's almost like... Something that can scan ships in hyperspace. So maybe Ooh. she's gonna like sabotage that that piece of gear, and then Snoke emerges, and you have this big showdown between those two. What do you think? Yeah, it kind of makes sense. I I think at one point she's definitely gonna be on the supremacy. I don't know if it's of her own. Uh, like we've we've always said, like this the Empire thing where she's like I'm 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 going. Like sorry, Luke goes to try and save her friends because she knows something bad's going to happen. And at a point when she's in there, she's like, I got to kind of face Snoke, even though I'm not ready. And she does it of her own accord, of her own will, where she kind of just walks up like, hey, Snoke, I'm here. What you going to do about it? You know? And then he gives her what for? Yeah, he, could, he can dispel all kinds of stuff on her. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think as powerful as Rey is, you know, and she's slowly going to get refined into a much more powerful warrior in this movie, she's not ready for Snoke. No, but it, in the same regard, like you just said, like Snoke can ask her, like, what are you here for? And I don't see her be like saying, like, I'm going to kill you or whatever. Like she would be like, like, what are you trying to do? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, what is your end game? Like, what's going on? Who are you? Like, I want to understand, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Whatever he's doing to her in that trailer. It, it seems pretty violent. I don't know if he's if he's dredging up old memories and making her remember things from her past. Or, I don't know. Or He's definitely using the Force in quite an odd way. Just... Well, it, it seems like a telekinesis, telekinesis is a new thing on the dark side. Reading thoughts, uh, turning someone's brain on and off like Kylo did in TFA. It, it seems like... like Kyle, or Snoke is reaching real deep in, into Ray's brain and, and doing something to her. Yeah, it's like she he's got her like immobilized there. Yeah, and she can't break free. And it seems like it doesn't so, seem, so much seem like a physical pain. It is like a, a mental torture. I think that's what he's As doing. Both. To her. Oh, yeah, both. All right. Um, let's move ahead out of that behind the scenes reel, unless you have something else. Not too much. All right, let's let's move quickly ahead here to some pretty fresh news. Uh, so the GQ, the UK version of GQ magazine, uh, has a Adam Driver story in where he may or may not have opened his big fat mouth and dropped something pretty significant. So what? Let me see if I can pull up the exact quote here. All right, so and this is big time spoiler warning folks folks so if if you haven't heard the no- news already you may just want to skip ahead a couple minutes because this potentially could be quite big so what he said in this GQ uh, interview you also you have also the hidden identity of this princess who's hiding who she really is so she can survive and kylo and her hiding behind these artifices driver says apparently dropping a massive revelation about Ray's royal origins. So wait, what the hell is Adam Driver talking about? What has he done? He's he's probably laughing right now about this, especially like I want to see how many likes and stuff this this article gets and I haven't really been it's it's really fresh news, so like on on Twitter social media I haven't seen much about it yet. But uh there's a good chance he could be talking about Leia as well, you know? I guess there's a chance. Although, I mean, I think the wording is pretty clearly about Ray. But yeah, I, I'm on the same page there too. Look, the first the first reading, I th- I looked, I said, okay, Ray, you know, like. But yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like, does it? I don't know. I mean, do you do you think there's some clever editing afoot here with GQ, like trying to drive clicks and interest and chatter about uh, their latest issue coming out? Well, it seems like a direct quote, no. It does, but they can shape these stories the way they like. Like, well, it, 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 this, it wouldn't be surprising if they'd edited the story down. True, but uh, you can't edit a quote, or you shouldn't edit a quote anyhow. But it's interesting how it can somehow tie back into what we were just talking about with the synopsis, right? 
with the shocking revelations of the past. Like they, they touch upon the, the age old mysteries of the force. So the force parts covered there. What are the shocking revelations of the past? How the fact that she's an, a possible princess, how does that impact the story? Like what and who is she a princess of, you know? That that's that's kind of interesting, I guess. Uh, I mean, I guess when they when they say age old mysteries of the past, I mean, I, I think in our heads, ooh, that's a thousand year old story. You know, this this is a very ancient story we're, we might be getting into. If we're talking about Rey as a princess, this age old mystery is fifteen years old. That's... No, not necessarily. If she's part of some, we just don't know how. Well, we know how what, old she is, and we know how old she is when she was dropped off. I mean, we just don't know where she comes from. That's the thing, you know, or who her people are, and well, I and I think that's that's what this is all about. I think this is maybe a, a poor choice of words on on Adam Driver's part. You know, I I think remember they told us that Ray's origin is interesting but not important. Like if if you yeah. if you make her a princess, that's pretty important. Otherwise, why do it? Like you can't. They're not going to say, "Oh, she's a princess of this royal family," but it's actually quite meaningless. So, just move on. Like they wouldn't. That that, that is, that's silly. Like well, if she, if we, she's a, we, if she's a princess, she's... it's it's going to be important. And what they told us was about it not being important was not entirely truthful. True, but what I think it really touches back upon is the fact that her past is isn't shouldn't be significant as to who she is now and not determine who she can be or what she can become in a sense, if you follow me, you know, like yeah, both, yeah, of course, both her and Kylo, like that seems to be the essence of this story in the sense that both of them are searching for who they are and what's their identity. So once Ray can come to the realization that like, like I'm my own. I'm Ray. Like no one was there for me. Kind of like I. I am who I am. I. I. I may be a princess, but it's okay. Like I. I'm not a princess. Like I didn't grow up a princess. Like I don't know. I. I'm. I'm going with that. He was sort of a driver was poor choice of words. Remember in Moana, like Maui calls Moana a princess, and she corrects him and and says no. I'm the daughter of the village chief. Two separate yeah. things. That's the theory I'm going with. Exactly. Yeah. She's a tri like from a tribe. Like that tribe that we've talked about that looked to be in the forest back. Yeah, there's also the the clan of the Toribota, right? We're about to well, we saw them in, in Guardians of the Wills. We might meet them again, I think, in starting in issue thirty eight in the Star Wars comic. Maybe her parents were the the Chief. Chiefs. I don't know. Or maybe her dad was a chief of, of of that group of villagers. And so she's the daughter of that village chief. Adam Driver calls her a princess for it. You got the Moana confusion. True, but it's roughly more or less the same thing, no? Like Not according to Moana. Not really she was she was taken aback by that. I guess. And so was <laughs> so was Princess Leia when they Han called her a princess. Well, he he was mocking mocking the title there. Well, exactly. Like, I think, anyway, it could be taken in that light, but regardless, it's more or less the same thing. Like, she's a small on a smaller scale. Yeah, no, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, if she's the daughter of the village chief, that's one thing. Like, she comes from an important person, but it's not royalty. Like, I think when you bring royalty into it, 
you're hinting at something much larger, like village chief. But what's what's the point of saying then also that she needs to hide who she is to survive? Like that touches more again back on the Leia thing. Like Leia hid who she was her whole life so that she can. Well, that's, you know, no, that's not that's not true. Well, I mean, she hid a, the the fact about Vader kind of that whole time. Well, she didn't know but, about it until Jedi. Yeah, exactly. And after that, like she decided not to disclose anything. Nah, she told a few people, but yeah, fine. I, I, but I don't. I don't think Ray knows. I don't think. I don't think Ray is hiding anything. Yeah, no, think... like she. She definitely doesn't know. But she, if she comes to find out in this film, which is most likely the case, like, what if someone tells her, like, this is the shocking revelation from the past. Like, this is who you are and who you are to become. She could be like, oh my god, like. If they find out that I'm I'm this person, like then they're might, really she might gonna find, find out in in the force back. Like if we're getting more uh, info in the force back about how Luke lost his academy, and Luke finds out or she learns that her parents were, I don't know, guards there, or staff, <laughs> staff at the academy, and you know, once upon a time she was there, and this you know, the Knights of Ren came in and wiped the place out. And that's when she was kind of moved away. I, I don't know. This this is all very confusing to me. But to me, if if, if it sort of echoes of Lone Star from Spaceballs, like these repe- repressed memories of him being a prince finally come to light. I'm a prince. I'm a prince. But <laughs> this, I mean, this, is this where Ray's going? She's gonna wake up and go, "I'm a princess." No, I don't think she's going to care. That's what I was saying earlier. Like, she can be like, yeah, okay, like, that means nothing now from where I am. But in the same regard, it could also be something really important. Like, that whole survival thing that they mentioned in the quote is like, why would you say that? Like, how, maybe it isn't significant, you know? But it's not significant to her character development, if you know what I mean. Like, she's an individual. She's strong. She's independent. She's going to become who she needs to become on her own in her own way. Like, she's not going to let these outside influences of the past that have the potential to really mess with her mind and turn it to the dark side, like, really influence her, you know? Like, she's got to make decisions for the right reasons and not be... Uh, yeah, she's got to make her own choices. Her own agency. Her own... She's choosing her own fate. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of this story, what they're trying to get at with her character, when she's always just like, someone help me. Someone tell me what to do. Someone tell me where to go. You know, by the Ray, end she'd be like, Ray is going to do what Ray wants to do at some point. Exactly. Like, that's what they're building up to, you know? Rightfully so, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. Last thing here. Um, has Dave Filoni tipped his cap to doing something in live action? So he had an interesting article, an interview with Gizmodo. And there's a quote in there that says, I also want to keep pushing myself into areas that are challenging and new. I've had a lot of experience now interacting with live-action directors like Ryan Johnson, who's been really wonderful to me and showing me what their production is like. I want to celebrate stories, and it doesn't matter what medium it's in. I don't care. Big screen, small screen, I just need a place to tell a story and do it as best I can. That's my goal in the end. So we'll have to see what form that takes in the future. But let's put it this way. I learned from the best. So, Corey, uh, why else would he be spending time with live-action Star Wars directors if this wasn't some sort of uh, 
apprenticeship tutorial crash course what do, what do you think well he's 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 at the top man he's in the upper echelon he he's pretty much the new godfather of the star wars so i think the the family at lucasfilm is saying like and him too like he he's willing to expand his horizons he's an artist uh they're always trying to venture into new areas try new things do new things and in the long run, he has his soul and is committed to telling new Star Wars stories. And like you said, the big screen, small screen, I don't care. But he has all these tools at his disposal. Uh, Lucasfilm, I'm not going to say that they owe him something, but uh, he's learned from the best. He understands mythology and the potential behind Star Wars. So Lucasfilm is obviously paid attention to this it's it's clear and evident again we've talked about this before but celebration him coming out on stage with george lucas almost as if it was a passing of the torch so yeah he has earned it in my regard and can he do it hell yeah he can do it does he deserve it hell yeah he deserves it i don't care what people say like oh but this director deserves it and blah blah blah, blah. like no filoni is star wars and you know He's been at this for 12 years, like he said. Like, he's not unfamiliar with what it is to direct something. Learning from the best, being hands-on with Ron Howard, J.J. Uh, Abrams, Ryan Johnson. Well, do we know all that to be true? Like, he mentioned Ryan Johnson. Do we know that he was with J.J. and Ron Howard? Oh, for sure he talked to them. You think? There's there's 100%. I would I would definitely put money that at one point they were definitely talking. Like, that's an all-in thing for me, no doubt. Hmm. See, he said something, like, for for me, like, I don't know jack about producing TV shows or movies. I know it's a shock, but I have no idea. But there's there's got to be a huge difference, like a world of difference between producing an animated series and a big screen movie. And so when he says, like, I don't care, big screen, small screen, ah, it doesn't matter to me. Like, that's a bit of a telling statement for a different couple of reasons for like, for one, I think you should care. <laughs> I don't think it's just, again, like I don't know anything about this, these processes, but I, I think it's the same as saying, oh, I don't care if I, you know, I can fly anything. I'll fly that little helicopter over there, or I can also fly a stealth bomber. No difference to me. I'll just get in the cockpit and just go. Like, I think there's a big learning curve. And for, you know, for somebody who has, from what I can tell, no experience on the big screen. Like he better be soaking everything in when he talks to Ryan Johnson or potentially JJ or Ron Howard. And, he's, and of course he had a ton of exposure to George. Um, uh, he seems quite confident. Like, look, this is almost borderline brash and cocky. Like the last big quote that's highlighted here is, but let's put it this way. I learned from the best. Like that's, that's more telling. Like, what you said was telling, but this is, like, really, like you said, it's almost spelling it out. Like, I, I'm going in that direction. And there's no reason he shouldn't be able to do it either. I, I guess, I, I granted, it's a different beast, but he's got all the tools at his exposure, uh, disposable to make this happen. Yeah, he does. I mean, he's got all the resources. He's got connections. He's got, obviously, buttloads of talent. There's no question about that. The creativity, the imagination, the genius, the the writing capability, yeah, no, the it's, belief. It's, it's all there. I mean, everything 
is there. But I don't know that they're just going to say, here you go, Dave. We know you've never done a big big screen project before, but now you're going to get to do one. Ta-da! I don't know that they're going to do that yet. I think, my guess, is that whatever he's doing, it could be a live-action Star Wars series uh, for the upcoming Disney streaming service. That's the one I think that... I, I think that's maybe what's going on here. Interesting. You know You know what I, uh, I hypothesized? Uh, I said, what could Dave do, you know, like if it really came to the big screen, like I didn't go to the Netflix route, but big screen, I was like, Ahsoka comes to mind, but just don't know box office wise how that would do. You know what he could be tackling, bro? The next, uh, generation of Star Wars movies, the next, he can build, cause we know he's. That's what he does. He builds the universe and weaves it together, right? And he has a huge understanding of that. So he can go back and if we're going to go back and touch it on the past or even if we're moving into the future with these stories, he's the kind of guy that can build a foundation for this force and this mythos and mythology for kind of all to somewhat make sense, if you know what I mean. But he he can create something there on, on a big scale. He could. He very well could. Um, I, I just don't know that Lucasfilm's going to give you know, somebody who's never directed a, a movie on the big screen before the keys to do a big screen movie. And I, I, I totally understand. Like, I know where Dave Filoni comes from, and he's steeped in Star Wars for the last, I don't know, what, 10, 12 years? It's been his one job, and I know that he understands the galaxy and everything that goes into it. But I think, given what's going on, Socially in 2017, if they gave the keys to Dave Filoni, someone who's never directed a big screen movie before, I think they're, Lucasfilm is going to just take it right in the teeth. Yeah, well, those people, in my opinion, like don't follow the subject matter closely enough. Oh, <laughs> but it, it's a good thing again, nobody granted, listens to this podcast because, man, woo, I get where you're coming from. But to me, in my opinion, no one del- deserves it more than him. A shot at that in the least. And again, he's got all the tools at his disposal. You can have an assistant director and it could be a female director. It could be anyone. Like he, they're they're not going to leave him say, here you go, uh, Dave, uh, go for it. You know, like he's going to have this team with him, helping him through it, helping him write it, helping him direct it, the cinematography, everything, you know? Yeah, but I I, I think you should also play to your strengths and do what you do well. And Dave does long-form storytelling exceptionally well. And I, I think it would serve him well. as sort of if, if, if big screen directing is in his future, and he's still a young man, so there's no, question, there's no reason to think that he, it won't be. But he could go for, you know, transition from animated storytelling, in which you know, he tells several or arcs over a long period of time, to live action doing several arcs over a long period of time. And then once you get the hang of uh, doing live action, now here you go. Now you've got the chops to do live action. It's time to take it to the big screen, Dave. That's true. I think it, it makes be it a more transition sense. like that. More, I think that's the, the more jump, logical. The jump is a, it's a bit of an ask. I know what you mean, but if he's really at the front seat the way he is, I know he can, I'm, I'm confident that he can get it done. 
yeah, I'm, I'm confident too. I just, I, I don't know that they're going to take that gamble. And I think you kind of waste Dave Filoni if you don't let him do what he does best at this point. Which That's is it. like, you just kind of said it yourself, like building, uh, creating a, a universe, like you'd be the Knights of the Old Republic guy or like, yeah, but I want, I want back to like 20 episodes of, of Dave Filoni times, you know, an hour a piece. Like I'd rather 20 hours of Dave Filoni Star Wars than two hours. Well, what about like a, a three-part saga of Filoni, like that's still, George Lucas style? That's still six hours of Filoni as opposed to what might be 80 hours over like four years or something. I'll take 80 hours of Dave Filoni. Thank you. Yeah, I guess. But anyway, I, I'd like to wait, have... Wait, would I, you trade the entire Clone Wars series for one Dave Filoni movie? Would you trade all of Rebels for one Dave Filoni movie? Maybe a Rebel saga. Three movies. Give me three movies. It's a saga, bro. He's starting the next saga. That's what I'm. That's my hypothesis. You know. All right. Anyway, big things I think are coming for Dave Filoni, and either way, whether it's the big screen or something for Netflix, which is where I'm hanging my hat. No, not Netflix. I'm sorry. D- Disney streaming service, live action. I think I, either way, it's 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 going to be good news. Good for him. Well deserved. Well, he, again, let's not, let's not jump the gun. Not, we don't know anything yet. We're not going to know much until either MSW has an ex- exclusive report or we get to Celebration 2019 and that's where he reveals what he's working on. Anyway, that is all for the news this week. So, Corey and I, we're, we're going to take a quick break, which for you will seem like nothing. And then uh, the next voice you hear will be that of ads. Evening chaps, episode 99. Wow. Okay, a couple of questions. So the first one is Star Wars has given us some fantastic uh, species. We've got the Wookiees. We've got the, uh, the Ewoks. Um, perhaps a bit hit and miss, depending on your view. We have now the Porgs. Uh, ice foxes, etc., etc. So, if JJ ran a competition for episode nine to design a new Star Wars species, what would you go for? Okay, second question the Skywalker lineage. We have Luke, we have Leia, and we have Ben Solo. We may discover that other characters are actually Skywalkers as well. But for now, they're the only three. So where do you see that lineage um, going in the future? Will it end with Ben? Or will Ben or another person perhaps have children in order to pass that bloodline down? So look forward to hearing. Um, Have a great show. And I will catch you again next week. Bye. There goes ads one more time, sir. Thank you, ads. Great questions again this week, as usual. And uh, you know what? I, I I never mentioned this to you, Corey, but I got a package in the mail. No return address. And so I tweeted a picture of it going, hmm, I, like, I wonder where this came from. And uh, Mr. Ads, very cons- in, or conspicuously, not me. Oh, I don't know. So I think Ads sent us something for episode 100. 
So I got to hang on to this this bubble wrapped envelope here for one more week. But I'm I saw actually I did see you tweet that. I wanted to ask you about that this weekend and it slipped my mind. That's awesome. I have no idea what's inside, but it appears that Ad has, Ad's has sent us something. I hope it's not arsenic. But uh, we'll find out in about a week. What's what's in the package? What's in the box? All right, so let's tackle Ad's questions this week. Uh, where are we at here? Okay, so Corey, if, if you had the j- chance to design your own alien species, you get to be Neil Scanlon here. What are you what, what are you doing, man? I don't know. Uh, do we ever get to see Bothans? I don't. I don't think we've ever gotten a canonical look at Bothans. No, we haven't. They seem pretty cool. So what? Are, but, what do they uh, look like in your mind? Kind of like wolf, squirrel, rat men. Wolf, wolf, squirrel, rat men. I don't know. They they kind of have a like a furry face from what I, I come to understand. I think the Legends version did right. Yeah. But uh, who knows? In my head canon, when I was a kid and I never heard anything about them, I always p- pictured a Bothan as being something very small, like E.T. esque. Don't ask me why. But uh, let's just say, let's take for an example. Everyone, there's all kinds of names floating around from, but these uh, these kyber kyber foxes, that's really tickling my fancy as of right now. Like seeing those on screen, we're like, whoa, that's pretty awesome. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm looking for something like magical, something mystical. You know, like I love animals like that. You want like something that. mystical? I, I love it. I love that kind of stuff. You don't say. So, well, take for an example in Rebels. There's a lot of heat and debate on this as well, kind of. A little friction, but uh, I, I totally dug the Purgles. I like the Purgles. Yeah, like, they were cool, man. Like, light speed traveling animals were... That's what I'm all about. That was pretty cool. So, what else we got in Rebels as well as good examples? Like, we're about to get into these Loth Wolves very shortly. They seem quite sentient. Uh, the Bendu is really, really interesting species. I don't know what you want to call him. He's like Gozer. Uh, he's whatever he wants to be. Kind of seems that way. I, I, I like what I like the way you put that. The the early rumors of Snoke, uh, how he was kind of like half serpent. Um, I'm I was kind of digging that. But uh, let, let's let's get deep into it. I guess like my my real choice would be something like uh, I don't know. Something elemental, like something like something Bendu mystical? in a way, like yeah, like something made of rock, <laughs> like something made of crystal. Like those are so cool. Maybe fire or water, uh, electricity. Something made of a life form made of pure electricity. Maybe even celestial, like a planet that's alive. Like Acto, in a way, seems to be. Or I don't know if I want to say alive, but it seems to be uh, like. An amp- a point where you can magnify or amplify the force, kind of. Well, I mean, we, we know virtually nothing about this planet yet, but it's. I would. I'd be surprised if the Jedi didn't choose that location for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Or why the why the Jedi originated there? Yeah. yeah. What's the What's the GFFA equivalent to a unicorn or a senator? Those kind of be almost my final answers. Like, I want to see, like, a half-man, half-beast kind of dude. Well, I think we're going to see something pretty crazy in Canto Bite. There's, like, this, like, 
bull mastiff creature. Well, it's it's like a, the head of a dog, but this thing dresses in like in an elaborate suit on two legs. And that's kind of that's awesome. That's kind of where my, I initially went. Like, I'd love to see like a, a dogish looking humanoid character. But then why do we like, why do we always go humanoid, like walks on two legs and has two arms like they might be lizard like or furry or whatnot? Like, why are all four legged creatures like beasts of burden? Why can't we have like a sentient four legged beast? I totally agree with you there. I was thinking the exact same thing. Like the way, especially in Star Wars as well, like in, in my opinion, there's, and Star Trek, there's way too many humanoids. Like to me when, I don't know, like we'd be very, very different. I think like I'm thinking more like starship troopers. Uh, <laughs> Oof. Don't think, don't think too hard about that. Well, I'm just saying like realistically, <laughs> if you're going to meet another life form, I don't think they're going to be like, I have like a mouth and two eyes and you know like i think they're probably gonna be vastly different no well, probably um yeah you know, i wonder if you know feloni's wolves are maybe what what were the inspiration behind my thought like i think those wolves will probably be at least halfway like sentient oh more than that I have a really, uh, just the way Ezra was looking at them in the preview for Re- in Rebels Recon there. Well, they're, they're not the going to be the, they're him. not going to be the Star Wars version of Scooby. Oh, hell no. But I, I, I have a, my own little theory about them. But uh, we can maybe touch on that on Bridger Transmissions. Yeah, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if I can't deal with, with your crazy mysticism, I can step away and let M deal with it. Yeah, she seems to like it. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that. Well, anyway, that, that's kind of where my head was at. I was at. You know, like, I wanted to. I want to see like a four-legged sentient creature. Like, I don't know how you make that work. You know, I went, once upon a time, I was like, how does how does the how do the public bathrooms work in Star Wars? Like, you have so many different sizes and shapes of creatures. They can't all possibly use the urinal or the stall. They have to have dozens of different hookups in these bathrooms, right? Yeah, I'd say there's probably about like 10, 20 different, well, let's say 10 different varieties you can choose from. Like, uh, this is the stall I need. Yeah, like maybe there's like signs on all the doors, like uh, the, the Bothans and Ewoks have to go this way. And if you're a human or um, a pa- I think a humans and Bothans would be on the, on the same page. Maybe. Maybe they would, but I'm just saying, like, they must have different. Uh, yeah, well, you said there's so many humanoid characters. Do they all pee standing up or sitting down? If you're if you're a lady, I don't know. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? <laughs> Seriously, I blame ads. But uh, yeah, I like what you're saying there about the four legged creatures because I was kind of going that way as well. I almost uh, I was thinking something from the deep blue, uh, like a really uh, a sentient. Uh, deep water creature that too kind of intrigued me yeah and i i I also thought of something like serpentine there's there's a creature i think in a new hope and it looks like a like a giant snake but he's wearing like a prince john from robin hood hat (laughs) it's a stupid looking thing and i think he's smoking a pipe but yeah i wouldn't mind seeing something snakish in star wars that'd be kind of cool now watch somebody's gonna say, "Hey, you forgot about these guys, you dummies." 
In which case, yeah. Let <laughs> us have it. It's late. What do you want from me? Um. Yeah, there you go. There's there's the answer to my first question, or the first of Ad's questions. And number two, this is the maybe the meatier one. So where do you see Lucasfilm taking the Skywalker family in the future, Corey? I don't know. It's really kind of hard to say without having seen eight or nine. Come on. Ads knows that. <laughs> we all know that. He's asking to, to, to come up with something. Put yourself out uh, there. Take a stand. I've always said that I want this Skywalker saga to end. So I'm going to put myself out there and say that, yeah, it should end. Well, I think you, you went one step further in saying the whole saga should end. And that they should go yeah, backwards whole... in time. Yeah, uh, that's that's where I was at. And it, again, if they want to rehash this thing in, let I'll, I'll be happy up to episode 12. Anything after 12 is like a bit of a stretch for me. Um, so they do 12, and then they can put it in the bag just like they did with you know the original trilogy. And hopefully everyone is alive and well in 20, 30 years, and they, they come back to these characters and maybe use them as the Legends characters to introduce a whole new set of people like that'd be kind of okay with i guess but let's the skywalker saga somehow needs to have a conclusion in my opinion i, I tend like, to we agree. thought we got it in jedi we thought we got it in jedi but obviously not like things are still very open-ended well they're open-ended as they need them to be i mean jedi is a perfectly satisfactory conclusion like it, if they had never done episode seven Episode six still stands as the the concrete conclusion to Star Wars. Well, that's what I'm saying, kind of, is that you know you you had that concrete conclusion. So oh, I think Episode nine will certainly close off and say, okay, that's done with. Do we see anything, any other possibilities for for the stories? And that that question will be, I think, more or less irrelevant. If they want to open it, they'll find a way to open it. Well, I like what uh, recently J.J. had said that, and I, I really like this, is that is he was going to try and tie all three trilogies together in this film. Yeah, and then there was some debate on whether or not that means if he's tying the three trilogies together, does that mean that's the end of it? It could be. If you, if, you know, once we see it, I'll, I'll, I assume that once we see episode nine, it's got to give you that feeling like you've just seen the end. Like you've gotten the resolution that you were looking for. But at the same time, this is Lucasfilm and Disney. They're not stupid. This is a these these saga movies are licensed to print two billion dollars. They're not ending it. <laughs> They're not gonna just go, ah well, we're done. Like they might they might just quit for a couple years, but there's gonna be episode ten. There's there's no question. And I, I don't know. I think at this point once they go down that road, it won't be about the Skywalker family. There may or may not be a Skywalker in it, but it won't be about the Skywalkers in particular. Like, it just won't. I can agree with you there. Again, pending what happens in this saga with Kylo. Yeah, I mean, look, and in the trailer, Luke's saying, yeah, oh, it's so much bigger. And I think Lucasfilm is very keen to figure out what that means. and to And show us what that means. You know what I mean? Yeah, they could show us by the past, though, as well. Like, these Jedi from the past that actually had it right. They could, but then 
you're done with Poe and Finn and Ray, and I don't think we're ready for a world yeah. without those characters. I don't like. I think those characters are going to be with us for a long time. What I've always kind of envisioned, really, is just the the original onset of this stuff with the with R two recounting the journals, right? Is that it's a hundred year time frame, and within that, you know, we're reaching that by the end of the saga, it can come. It's a hundred years, uh, I think, after Jedi. Really? Yeah. I thought it was from the Phantom Menace to the end. No, I think it's a hundred years after Jedi. I mean, we have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm pretty damn sure it's a hundred years after Jedi. No, I thought R2 was just recounting everything that he knew, basically. So from a Phantom Menace to, I guess, the end of this saga, which would be the hundred year time frame is what I'm all about, kind of like some. This should all be tied up in a nice little bow, and that we should have a big resolution in this hundred year time frame. Yeah, we still could. There's still time to to put more movies in there. Um, but yeah, you know, if, if they keep doing trilogies focused on the Skywalkers, like we're never going to get away from Darth Vader and Luke and Leia. Like, I think they want to step away from that. So I think, you know, Luke's story will be wrapped up for all intents and purposes. He may, may or may not die by the end of the trilogy. Um, but certainly I think he might be the last Skywalker standing. I don't think there'll be more than two Skywalkers or more than one Skywalker standing at the end of this, this saga. And then you know, if, you know, if they, in another five, 10 years, they fire up episode 10, you know, Luke may or may not be in it, but it won't be about, it certainly won't be about him. And so we, we might be, you know, uh, tempted to say, oh, is the Skywalker's story continuing then? They might be so bold as to come out and say, no, this is, this is Luke's in it, but this is not the Skywalker story anymore. And then I think well, that's you, what you I, expect I feel like Luke this... to die pretty quickly <laughs> in episode 10. I see that's this saga. I see the transition as well, but I still want that story told. You know what I mean? Like I want there to be a balance by the end of this thing. Um, yeah. I mean, sticking with the Skywalkers beyond episode nine, I think just ensures that you have to keep the galaxy small out of necessity. And if, if, if it's so much bigger, as Lucas said, then they're, they're going to have to show us and they can't do that if they keep having to constantly reference Vader and Luke and Palpatine. Now they, they got to step away from that. And I think episode 10 will feature Ray. So it'll still have, you know, the footprint of the Skywalkers in it and their legacy, but it won't, their, their family, their dysfunctional family won't be uh, the central focus of the movies anymore. I kind of got you there, but I don't know. I just hope they they name it something different at that point. Like it does. I I don't want thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Like, come on, that gets a little much. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of would. Like, re rename it something different, like a new saga, whatever it is. Uh, it's you're starting from. This is. You got to disassociate it from whatever they're doing here. Like have a conclusion to this, have the same characters, but realize that now this is something new. That's fair enough, I think. All right. You don't, we done with this? Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you, Ads. Looking forward to your questions for episode 100. All right, let's move on to Bradley. 
How's it, have you had any power fl- flickerings over there, Corey? Nope. And my electricity has flickered twice. <laughs> I'm getting a bit antsy here. All right, so Bradley says this week, Hey guys, hope the two of you, along with all your powerful friends, have had a great week. I myself have, have had a wonderful week. Anytime one gets to take off work to do some fly fishing, that's a good day. You know, we are just days away from getting to say, we will see The Last Jedi next month. It's getting closer. Also, we are days away from Halloween, so happy Halloween to you and yours. And you, Bradley. My first Star Wars question has to do with Halloween. I'm assuming at some point you guys dressed up as a Star Wars character on Halloween. What did you dress up as? I myself in 1978 dressed up as a Jawa. I took a brown blanket, wrapped myself up in it, and secured it with a couple of belts. I believe the next year my mom helped helped dress me as, up as C-3PO. Uh, oh God, I, should, I need to do this in bigger font. I wore a box with aluminum foil wrapped all around it, and my arms and legs were made from dryer vents. I was the silver version of, of 3PO. In my teenage years, I had a rubber Yoda mask that was a lot of fun to wear. So, Corey, we'll stop there. I'm going to have to tap out because I don't think I ever dress as anything Star Wars related. Like, In fact, I don't remember virtually any of my Halloween costumes as a kid. Yeah, I kind of have like a brief glimpse of 3PO for either you or, you or I, but that could just be a false memory. Uh, I do remember asking uh, my mom anyhow, this is a really old memory, like I'm like three or four years old. But we brought my my cousin was coming to my daycare, and it was a Halloween thing. She dressed as a pumpkin, and I remember my mom. I was like, like I want to be R two, and she was like, okay, and she got me some kind of weird robot from that movie, The Black Hole. <laughs> you know what I mean? I I don't even think I ever saw that movie, and I was so mad. But uh, yeah, other than that, uh, I dressed up as Vader once, not for Halloween, but uh, I was emceeing our Jubilee, our school talent show. So yeah, we did a little skit with Vader there. And other than that, I've kind of lived vicariously through my son. So when he was, I think his first Halloween, we dressed him up as Yoda. Remember that, Kyle? Yeah, my we dressed my daughter up as an Ewok for her first Halloween. And we went out together, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rained. <laughs> and last year, he dressed as a trooper, a First Order trooper. Yeah, this year my this year my cool. son is an Imperial Stormtrooper, and my daughter last year was Ahsoka. Um, but yeah, I I honestly can't recall ever dressing up as as, as a Star Wars character. And I, I don't know why. Like I think I was very snobby about Halloween costumes. Like if I really couldn't put something super legit together, even as a kid, I would be like, "Screw this, man! I don't. I'm not doing it." Like the only costume I. Like that sticks out to me. It's like I, I put together like, like this commando type thing. Like everybody loved, like I, well, at least I did. You and I loved Arnold Schwarzenegger commando one man army type movies, and I'd cobbled together a pretty decent looking Halloween costume like along those lines. But no, I don't. I don't think I ever did Star Wars, which is kind of silly to say considering how much we love it. But, um. Yeah, you know, mom and dad have so many, like, reels of, of, or stacks of pictures, and I'm sure there's some Halloween pictures in there somewhere. I'd love to take a look at it and see, is that true or not? 
Or maybe we could just ask them, did we did we ever dress up as Star Wars? No. <laughs> they won't remember. Probably. <laughs> she seemed very sure of that. My mom would be like, yeah, I think you did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> what do we dress as? Oh. Like... <laughs> yeah, she, would, she wouldn't know. Um, all right. So, Bradley, sorry to let you down, man, but I don't think I ever did Star Wars growing up. And also, I mean, when we started going out for Halloween, again, it was in the, the Star Wars black hole. There's probably... I don't know. How, I don't know if, if costumes. I guess they probably they probably were, but maybe not. Maybe they were not so popular anymore. Come the mid '80s. I don't know. I'm talking out of my ass now. So let's move on to the second question. Uh, if you had all the resources and you could spend whatever you wanted, what character would you like to go as this Halloween? My answer would have to be a Death Trooper. They look so cool. Back in the day, my answer would have been the classic Stormtrooper, which, in my opinion, is the best looking Stormtrooper in the all white. Next on my list would have would have to be Hammerhead. <laughs> which is my favorite cantina character. Looking forward to hearing about your trick-or-treat costumes of old and what, you know, sorry, of old, you know, sorry about that, and what you would wear now. Have a great show, guys, and keep up the wonderful work that you do. To you and all your powerful friends, have a fun and safe Halloween, and as always, may the force be with you. Cheers, Bradley. So, Bradley, have a great Halloween yourself. Enjoy, and thank you for the questions. Um... Well, Corey, we, we kind of touched on this on Sith Disturbers last week. Um, anything new you want to add to this? Does, d- did Bradley give us a, a different twist to this question? Well, not really. Like, uh, let's just throw it out there to the public. Like, honestly, like, there's so many cool things. Like, it's hard to think about when there's no money. You have this huge makeup job, but I don't know. I think something that'd be really cool is just a, a custom Mandalorian outfit. Like, you really customize it, like, make it your own, like, with, you know, your own graffiti on it, your own colors that you choose from. Uh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, well, again, for the benefit of those who uh, didn't hear Sith Disturbers, who are not yet a powerful friend, um, yeah, like, my answer, I think, was, you know, I, I'd love to have, like, a Wampa suit, and Carlos said he'd love to have a legit chewy suit. The thing with, with Carlos is he's got the height to at least fake it like i couldn't pull off a wampa i couldn't pull off vader if i had a super legit vader suit um you know I, i'd barely be peeking at like a vader suit might give you what two three inches yeah you get to get some heels there i mean even if you had you know, platform vader boots that give you like an inch in the heel and hell yeah i mean, i might crack like six one that's that's no good you're gonna be Vader. You gotta when you're in the suit. You gotta you gotta do at least six and a half feet tall. Maybe six four ish, right? Like to be at, at all convincing. Yeah, you well, there's a lot of things you can do. It'd be so cool to be like a walker or you know, chicken walker, all that stuff. You know. Yeah, we've seen videos in the last couple of years of of people who have actually put together some pretty awesome costumes. Uh, that kid with the. Uh, the tauntaun, the, yeah, the tauntaun that that is incredible. To I, to do something like that would be pretty rad. Yeah, definitely super original. Like you got to keep creative with with stuff like that. Um. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think my final answer was was Jedi. Uh, snowtrooper is another one. 
Just a super legit. That was a big one for you. What's that? X-wing pilot, A-wing pilot. Yeah, and even Merrick too. Like I liked seeing a nice blue pilot suit in Rogue One. That was kind of neat. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. Um, you know, again, if I was taller, somehow pull off a, a K2SO. I mean, you'd have to have really spindly legs to pull that off, but I hope to one day see a K2SO walking around out there. Uh, I think even some somebody did a DIY Rancor that looked pretty good. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, well, I guess you could excuse the height deficiency there, just when you see the workmanship in the costume. Oh man, I mean, who who wouldn't want to have a super legit Vader suit, right? Seriously. I don't know. Just for the fun of it, I'm, you know, I'm, even a stormtrooper, you know, like I'm dancing all over the place with this because there's so many great choices, but yeah, I see custom Mando. This is something you can really make your own, you know, like you could have like little depictions of your family or like your favorite band. Yeah. If if I was a if I was a female, I'd love to be able to pull off like a Hera or a Soka. What about what about like a like a two man Jabba the Hutt? Or three man, <laughs> you build your own or little like dais a walker, a, just a big, huge Jabba puppet, and like two of you get in it, like a or three of you get in like a parade float and just walk down the street. Oof, I don't know. That seems like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> You're so lazy. A Jabba hot tub. Um, yeah, there you go, Bradley. We threw some ideas out there. I don't know which one I'd love to do most. I mean, they're. There's just so many good options. Like, if you gave me a legit Stormtrooper suit, I'd be so happy. A Death Trooper suit would be amazing. Oh, man. Even even just, like, a Krennic suit. I'd be, I'd be, yeah. I'd be all over that. Capes rock. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, there's, there's some ideas, anyway. All right. Thank you, Bradley. Episode 100 is around the corner. Get your questions in early, everybody. Because uh, I think it's going to be a big week. <laughs> I think everybody's going to want to throw something at us. So please give us time to do our homework. All right. So uh, Rob, Rob Yees from Gen X Wing. So he's got another question for us this week. With the recent complaints, unfounded in my opinion, on how Force Awakens was a Star Wars reboot and The Last Jedi turning into an Empire Strikes Back 2.0, is there a small chance that the forces that be are subtly creating their own ring theory concept? Having the movies loop in a familiar fashion that will make sense and correct, uh, connect in the end, pushing the message of history repeating itself. A, a strong message that is important in the current American world slash, uh, excuse me, current American slash world political scene. Is it the simple matter of storytelling where themes seem to have a particular makeup or foundation? i.e. the hero's journey. I know it's awfully early to start these thoughts with The Last Jedi not even released, but there are images that are reminiscent to Empire Strikes Back and even the prequels. I can't believe for a second that they would want to imply or simply reboot the Star Wars ideals. There is so much more behind the scenes that we are not privy to, but the idea of a ring theory-like concept being subtly implanted in the role would be cool to me. All the best. Long live the Commonwealth. Rob Yees Williams. Rob, thank you, sir. I'm sorry for butchering your question there. I can't read tonight. But anyway, 
think we all get the point. Corey, you're familiar with the ring concept, right? Or the ring theory for episodes one yep. through six. Do you think yeah, they're? I read that do, uh, essay. Do you think they're trying to weave that through nine as well? Uh, maybe a little bit loosely. Uh, I love the theory. I think it's great. I think it's really genius when someone actually breaks it down like that. And if that's what they were really thinking from the onset, then it's really grand storytelling. But it, it's kind of what the hero's tale and this at the same time. Uh, I personally think that no matter what, uh, fans are going to kind of maybe make that connection anyway. But as an example, uh, we see a lot of similarities already just through the trailer. In Ray going to meet Snoke at the end, uh, it could be instead of Hoth, we know we have Dakar evacuation. But the Dakar evacuation I really see is something like, okay, like the First Order is there, but like the majority of the uh, resistance has already left. It's just like the higher ups getting the last stuff out. So the battle of crate is more like the battle of Hoth and Hoth is the beginning of empire creates the end of this movie. So, but things, things, things have flipped and flopped like that and managed to connect and make sense. Like Mike, uh, shout out to Mike Klimo who put this whole thing, whole thing together, which I think maybe is the Genesis of like the the recent love-in for the prequels. There's been sort of a renaissance around the prequels, and I think maybe it kicked off with the Star Wars ring theory, which I don't know if it's, you know, it's convincing. His arguments are convincing. But I don't know that George Lucas has ever said, yep, that's what I did. That's true. It'd be really interesting to, to hear him actually say those words. And if it's a coincidence, it's a heck of a one. But I, I like the, the fact that and uh, the Battle of Hoth would be at the beginning of Empire and the Battle of Crate would be at the end of this movie. Uh, the white and blues versus the white on red. Like, that seems kind of cyclical again. Yeah, no yeah, no question about that. Um, like you said, I think they're maybe doing, doing it a little bit here and there. Um, I hope they're not. <clears throat> Excuse me, I hope they're not. Like, I hope they leave... George's Luke well enough or George Lucas's work well enough alone like don't try and keep tacking on to that one through six as a ring theory great because if you're going to work that into seven eight and nine it's not going to be long it's not going to take a genius to figure out what's going to happen and with all these promises from JJ and you know, again with all the messaging around uh, The Last Jedi that oh it's the opposite what you expect and all this stuff and JJ saying he's got to he's got to push things forward into uncharted territory. I got to think they're stepping away from from the ring theory to a to a large degree anyway. In, in this film, anyhow, I I do see it being like Rob said. I I think TFA the the real criticism behind it is a bit unfounded. Yes, there's a lot of throwbacks. Uh, some things are a bit questionable with Star Killer and the Sans Jakku thing. Um, but, you know, it worked for me. It brought back the old fans and we got a whole bunch of new ones at the same time. We have to, you can't just jump into this whole, all this new subject material right off the bat. You know, like we were, fans wanted that. That's what we wanted to a certain degree, but there's some people you just can't please. <laughs> that, that is true. Um, 
yeah, like I said, I think I think it's all a moot point. I don't, you know, artists, writers, directors, however you want to define these people, like I, I don't think they enjoy being shackled to certain thematic frameworks. Like it, it's it, like I said, it it gets close to being formulaic, and it's it'll get boring at a certain point if we keep saying, well, now this is going to touch back and remind us of Empire, and it's going to rhyme with Empire. I I don't think they want to keep doing that. Well, it touches back again what we just talked about, like the conclusion of this saga. If it does end here, then okay, like that, then it's kind of almost like a masterpiece. You know what I mean? You got three different sagas with this ring theory, like all coming together with A, B, C, D. Like, uh, has anybody even tried to put or to to mesh the Force Awakens to the? Uh... You know, the episodes one through six using the, the the ring theory like i don't know if mike Klimo has, has revisited but tfa kind of had elements of of almost all three movies so i don't know i don't know if it, if it lines up in the same way like of course certain things remind us very strongly of the ot but i don't know that it lines up in the ring theory aspect i have no clue yeah you're asking the wrong guy but i hope someone writes a paper on it yeah, it's not going to be me. I mean, I, I feel like Mike Klimo is going to have to revisit this at some point. I mean, his, the work he put in at StarWarsRingTheory.com, my God, is, is just mind-blowing work. I imagine he'll yeah, follow that up. That's an essay up. and a half, man. <laughs> I, I imagine he'll he'll want to follow that up, maybe at the conclusion of Nine. I don't know. Maybe, will he be able to make it work? Will it make sense? Will... I hope so. Like, I think it's really interesting. Like, and that's the best part, you know, if it flies over your head and then he writes the paper, paper, and that's the way it did with, like, the onset of this all, right? Like, he put forth the paper and everyone kind of scratched their head like, oh, wow, you you got something here. Well, yeah, and this is for this, it, the Ring Theory made people appreciate the prequels a whole lot more. When it, when it really became evident to how much they do um, mesh with the originals, people went, oh, my God, yeah. Like the prequels are pretty solid, but again, like you said, you can't please everybody. And and, and anyway, my final take is I. I don't know if it's inevitable. That they'll keep tacking onto it, but I hope they don't. I don't, I don't want them to feel shackled to this ring theory concept and to have to keep mirroring, with with Lucas's work. Like at some point, just just be totally original. Anyway, that's it. That's that's all I got to say on that. So, Rob Yees, yep. thank you, sir. And and I just got to say that you guys uh, did an incredible job uh, with your Tragically Hip podcast. So so good, man. Um, and I, I I was you know listening towards the end there with with Anil, and he's getting all emotional. And I was right there with him, man. Like hearing an- Anil break down a little bit towards the end. Uh, he he got me, man. So anyway, that was great stuff. Good job, guys. As always. Okay. And uh, our friend James, he's got a little voice clip for us this week. So let's let's hear what James has to say. Good evening, Corey and Kyle of the Tumbling Saber. Tommy Bombadil, a.k.a. James here with my question this week. Guys, Solo, a Star Wars story. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Someone pointed out that these two titles are actually very similar, synonymous, if you will. 
So I'm going to put forth my suggestions for some upcoming movies. I'm thinking Obi-Wan's movie, Forsaken, a Star Wars story. Yoda's standalone film, Forlorn, a Star Wars story. And last but not least, Boba Fett, standalone film, Lone Wolf, a Star Wars story. I got a few reasons for those, um, but basically uh, I tried to build a concept of synonymous names. All of those titles basically mean uh, the same thing. And I really liked the Lone Wolf title for uh, Boba Fett with uh, Filoni's fascination with wolves and Mandalorians, etc. I like it. So what do you guys think? Let me hear your ideas for some upcoming standalone movie titles. And have a great show, guys. All right, there goes James. Thank you, sir. Good to hear you again. Yeah, so Corey, you you and I and James have been kind of talking in our, our little Facebook thread back and forth. It is pretty funny, isn't it, how Rogue One and Solo kind of are the same title, just in, in much different words. I don't, I don't know if it's intentional or not, the beginning of a theme from Lucasfilm, but uh, let, let's go. Let's let's hear some, some standalone titles. You know, here's something really, really, really interesting. James just texted us. Are you guys still recording? How are the titles going? Like his ears were ringing because look, I'm responding to him right now, and it's like there's my enter. Like he just sent this in. That is weird. Now focus. Uh, Get back on the show here. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I, I I got you there. The Rogue One. It's synonymous with Solo. And not only that, the whole James pointed this out as well. The whole thing that it's a standalone, a standalone is synonymous with that as well. Uh, but I'm kind of on the same page as him. Like I'm gonna go with the same three characters more or less. Not necessarily that I want to see a Yoda movie. No. But the the Yoda movie I'm gonna call Desolation. I think yeah I I I have I have desolate a Star Wars story as well, but. Uh, I didn't necessarily pin it to Yoda or anybody really. It's for, for me, Desolate could stand with well, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. You know, uh, 3PO talking about what a desolate place this is. Could tie very well to Obi-Wan's story on, on Tatooine. It could be Boba Fett. I think I, no, I totally agree with you. I, I looked at it like I looked at the, the, the thesaurus a lot on this question. Like, I looked at all different kinds of things because all these different things popped in my head. Like, you you don't want to go vagrant, vagabond. Like, it looks, I don't know, it just doesn't work, you know? Until they released Vagabond, a Star Wars story, and then you'd go, oh my god, it's amazing! No, come on. <laughs> How about this? Juan. Juan? Yeah. Like Juan Valdez? Like one. Like one Juan. It's a joke. <laughs> All right. That, that's what, that, that's what this? passes for a joke these days. Well, it's one. One. <laughs> I was trying to look at something of a masterless Jedi, like a Ronin type thing, you know, like a nomad. A nomad. But nomad won't work, and there is no title for a masterless Jedi. Canonically, anyhow. Uh, how about this for Obi Wan? Uh, exile. But, uh, that could also apply to Yoda. 
who specifically yeah. says, into exile I must go. True. I like the desolation thing for uh, for Yoda, though. The whole Dagobah thing. So I ha- How about this? Um, go ahead. Okay, go, go for it. All go right, so it. I've got um, Conviction, a Star Wars story. And I... For, for Obi Wan, uh, because for one, I would think that in the eyes of the Empire, he's been convicted. He's he's a wanted man, but also Obi Wan has a lot of his own convictions. So I think that works on a couple different layers. And you know, does it play into the Solo thing though? No, but it doesn't have to. I don't, I don't think James necessarily means us for us to make everything. St- go along with the solo alone thing. That's the kind of way I took it. Ah, that's fine. Whatever. So what else you got? Uh, all right. Well, honestly, in the long run, I really think uh, the Ben Kenobi film will probably most likely just be called Kenobi. But how about this? Hobobi one. Hobobi one? Yeah, like hobo. <laughs> hobo be one. Oh my god. That's yeah, a joke. I figured. All right. How about this? Okay. Being Ben Kenobi, a man who's lost everything and is cursed to wander and ponder, challenge everything he knew on top of a thousand generations of failed dogma, all the while charged to protect a boy who he doesn't even know who a boy who doesn't even know he exists. Jesus. <laughs> Being Ben Kenobi in theaters this summer. This spring. <laughs> so it's a May release date. That that, that is spring. <clears throat> At least for us it's spring. Uh what about Deserted? There's one that fits into the Lone Wolf yeah, loner. Alone. Kenobi's definitely deserted, alone. Uh, ho- yeah, hobo, exiled, desolation. Yeah, I-, I stuck with that whole theme as well. But I like that desert is good because that works. It's almost like a. That's what I think. The way they wanted us to take these films too is like from uh, multiple angles. They said it with Rogue One, and I think they're trying to imply it with Solo as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I think they want us to have. Yeah, for sure. They wanted to work on at least two different levels. I've I've got a a Boba Fett one. All right, go which for I think it. works pretty well. Uh, Vice, a Star Wars story. So if you look up Vice on in the dictionary, it it's an immoral or evil habit or practice, <clears throat> immoral conduct. So I think I think that works there for sure, as far as uh, Boba Fett goes. Yeah, I. I, th- I think I got you here. I-, I stuck with the solo theme for Boba. And I kind of think of him as above and beyond the rest, right? Like, the like you want to say solo, primo. Uh, it's like you're in a league of your own, you know? You're, you're still number one. You're by yourself. Like, James was a lone wolf, I think. How about beyond? Boba Beyond or Boba Prime, something like that, you know, like number one, like you're in a class of your own. I think that would sound more accurate for like a 
comic book or a, a TV series as opposed to a movie? I like I like Beyond. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not opposed to Beyond. But uh, for Forlorn, James' thing there, I thought about two men and I don't know, Forlorn, meh. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't feel like it fits, you know, but Forsaken kind of. Um, I don't know. They're both kind of the same word. Well, everything, that's why I, I looked in the, you look at the th- thesaurus and you're looking and it's the regurgitation from, you know, you can search whatever you want, but you're just kind of looking at the same thing. So you kind of got to get creative. Or I said, like, best. Uh, I think Forlorn or... works better for Obi-Wan than for Yoda. Yeah, Forsaken as well. Like, I always feel like Yoda why... was a, a little bit more hopeful than Obi-Wan ever was. Uh, I don't know about that, but I definitely chose... I definitely know that Yoda kind of, like... I chose Desolation or Desolate for him. Just because he he chooses that to be by himself, he takes that responsibility, or at least Ben's kind of got something. I suppose so. I don't know. Here we are sticking with these one-word titles, which who knows if that's going to be the way they go. I I really don't think that is the case. I think it's really sheer coincidence, but. Yeah, I think they'll go with more t- like name titles like Kenobi, Boba Fett. Like, seems pretty bland, but who knows? I think they're all gonna end in a store a Star Wars story, anyhow. Oh yeah, yeah, I think that for sure is is locked in. Anyway, we we done with James' question here? I'm done with you, James. <laughs> you guys, did you guys go for lunch last week? Uh no we didn't we're actually meeting up this oh, week I this think. week we're now. supposed to go to uh yeah. so what was your reason we'll last week uh I was in the office four days out of five by myself <laughs> got it running uh rent running the show man it was uh pretty interesting but I think we're supposed to go hunting this week this Wednesday I believe payday hunting for what Star Wars toys man what do you think. I don't know. <laughs> you guys you guys could be up to anything. James is going hunting squirrel, bro. We done going hunting squirrel and Rigo. All right. Have fun with that. All right. Lastly, but not leastly, Jeffrey's back with a question this week. And we know Jeffrey as a as a big Star Wars fan, but he's also a big Seinfeld fan. So he threw this one at us. Who would win in an evilness showdown? Vader or Newman? What do you think, Corey? Well, well, I definitely think it's Vader. I don't think there's any real question. You think so, huh? I, th- I think on the surface yeah. it's a simple answer, but I think I think it goes way deeper than that. Well, I mean, a lot of Newman's plans kind of backfire on himself. But at the same rate, a lot of things go right his way. See, here's the thing. I don't think Vader sees himself as evil. Newman knows he's evil. <laughs> you know, Vader, well, I, I think Vader th- thinks that the Jedi tried to kill his friend Palpatine and take over. 
and Vader is very gullible. Newman, on the other hand, is just... He's sick, man. He's sick in the head. He's totally devious, he's selfish, and he's out only for himself. Like, he lives to spite Jerry, and... Well, that's, that's the way I saw it in this, is that he lives to spite Vader. Like, Vader goes, like, into his hyperbaric chamber, and, you know, it's the only thing that kind of makes him feel better, and the only time he can really take off his helmet and breathe properly and all that. So once he have his, has that kind of treatment done, maybe he can go ahead and have, like, a a nice bowl of soup or something, you know what I mean? Like, it's like just for that those brief few moments where he's feeling okay, he can, he can go and eat. And then Newman comes up right before he, like, gets out of his chamber. Jamalaya. And just, like, runs away. And then Vader comes out, like, Newman. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's impossible to suggest that Newman might be able to totally pull one over on Vader. Get inside his head and all that stuff. Like, remember, remember when he was, when Newman was feeding lines to Kramer, to Pam, like, the, the girl that works at, works at the bookstore? The Velvet Scrunchie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think I think Newman could get into Vader's head. Yeah, he can maybe play him, but uh, come on. You know, it's Vader. And I just see it more like uh, the duality or it's like a Kramer or a Jerry Newman kind of dichotomy there. Like, you know, like always Vader being like Newman, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think you're underselling how just how truly evil Newman is. Like mean, Jerry, t- Jerry tells us he's pure evil. Still, he's no Sith. Oh, he might be beyond Sith. I'm just saying. He he did he did work for the post office. <laughs> Remember when he begged Jerry to take him to Paris in the finale? He, he can also be quite persuasive. Please, Jerry. And he can grovel like no other. So I don't know. I, I'm i not writing Newman off so quickly. I mean, anybody who can do a force choke is... You know, I kind of want to give that guy the, uh, the upper hand. But I'm not writing off Newman. No way. But, uh, Jeffrey, I'm curious to hear your answer, sir. <clears throat> All right. I think that uh, that'll, that'll do it for episode 99, Corey. We've got, we, Jambalaya. We, we got through it. <laughs> we did it, man. No, uh, no power outages. I have to, have to say, like, I was, yeah. this whole episode, my mind has been sort of sidetracked by my flickering power here. Yeah, the last thing we need to do is record for two hours and lose it. Uh, yeah, that, well, that wouldn't be the first time. Okay, um, guys, thank you so much. Ads, Bradley, Rob. Jeffrey, James, all you guys, thank you so much for the questions this week. Much appreciated. And uh, hope to hear from all of you for episode 100. 100, Corey. Incredible. I'm so proud of you, bro. Ah, come on. It's a team effort now. Yeah, you better believe it. (laughs) Okay. um, So before episode 100, you're going to be treated to another edition of the Bridger Transmissions. So M, Corey, and myself are back on Wednesday to break down two more episodes of Rebels. And then uh, the Powerful Friends on Friday. For Powerful Powerful Friends Friday, we'll get the return of Journals of the Willing. It's been off for quite a while. 
And now we, we once again say congrats to Steve and Dan. And they're over in, uh, in right at this moment, they're actually in the UK. They're in London posting some great pictures. Just ready to get up in the morning and re- meet Rob Wade. Are they really? Yeah. I I told him, I, I told Steve, I'm like, you got to ping the guys at TSW. At least go, you know, say hi that you're there. And who knows? Maybe you guys can actually get together. I'm, I'm That's awesome that they're actually going to get together and uh, hang out for a bit. I was not aware. That's that's super cool. All right. Um, so yeah. So journals of the willing is it should be back this week. So if anybody listening would like to join me on that show this week, uh, let me know. <laughs> um, yeah, because this week the uh, the co-pilot chair is empty. So we'll we'll see what we can do there. And um, yeah, that's about it. So if you want to be a powerful friend and you can hear that sure to be crazy episode of journals of the willing head over to patreon.com slash tumbling saber and for two to three bucks a month you get access to sith disturbers uh, journals of the willing worthy of recognition saber rattling our newsletter giveaways oh the giveaways Uh, on that note on that note congrats to dan solo for the sabine figure indeed yeah man and our our november giveaway we're going to announce that next week uh, but if becoming a powerful friend is not in the cards, then just head on over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Uh, you can also tell a friend about our show and try and spread the word that way. And um, yeah, again, don't forget about that uh, sweet prize pack, the contest we're doing for new powerful friends who sign up between now and episode 100. So uh, you're gonna... as, as of right now, your chances are 100%. Uh, yep. <laughs> 100 for 100, man. Absolutely. So right now we're looking for one powerful friend. And that if yeah, if we get one powerful friend, they're walking away with a pretty slick prize pack. Not bad money for two, three bucks a month. And if you're also looking to fill your playlist with some awesome podcasts, go to StarWarsCommonwealth.com. You can actually look up Star Wars Commonwealth as well on iTunes. And just, just clip subscribe to all seven shows there. And uh, thank me later. All right, guys, that's it. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Corey, I enjoyed this episode, even though my mind was sort of elsewhere half the time. And, yeah, I'm uh, pretty tired as well. You know what? I took like a three-hour nap this afternoon. I was mm. so exhausted. Now I don't feel sorry for you. No, I'm not as tired right now as I have been in previous weeks, but um, no, I, I, I badly needed it. <laughs> oh, man. Just been so tired lately that, uh, yeah... Slept the afternoon away. Then got up and watched... Uh, I actually watched more NASCAR today than it, the rest of my 39 years combined. That's awesome. It was so weird. And the kids were like super into it. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I think it's because of the... Uh, we, were, we were following the, the 18 car, which had like M&Ms all over it. So the kids were rooting go. for the candy car. That's Ricky Bobby. I think it was Kyle Busch, and he actually, it actually won. And there was a, there was a couple awesome. wrecks, and they were super stoked about that, which is, I mean, let's be honest, it's the real reason why everybody watches NASCAR, right? Everybody just <laughs> wants to see a pileup. And there was like a good like 10, 12 cars in a pileup right at the checkered flag at the end. It was amazing. Like one car b- briefly burst into flames. It was, it was terrific. Why else would anybody watch like 200 laps of left turn? incredible i love how this is a star wars podcast and we're talking about 
NASCAR. We talk about everything, man. You know, this is just life on planet Earth. We're going to be touching everything. Besides, everybody's going to be tuned in right now anyway. I'll be surprised if you get what NASCAR is. Anybody? Bradley. Bradley. That's it, everybody. Watching you walking away from me